Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of K-Axis Wrestling Podcast. Today, I will be discussing NXT TakeOver Chicago 2, which took place on June 16th, 2018. Okay, um, before I get into that, I would like to also discuss um, the passing of Leon White, also known as Big Van Vader. Okay, um, the wrestling new, uh, world was just hit with this news today. Um, Vader had passed away, and today is the 20th, by the way. It is June the 20th, 2018, and the wrestling world was made aware today, but uh, Vader had originally passed away on the 18th, which was two days ago. Um, that was Monday, and I believe they said it happened around 7 p.m. or so. All right, so... um. Yeah, I was a little late getting started on this. I mean, uh, I was about to start this podcast at an earlier time. I'm actually doing it at a little bit later time than uh, than I expected to, than what I wanted to, because, you know, as I was scrolling through my Instagram feed, you know, I saw a photo of Vader, you know, and I looked at it, I started reading it a bit, and, and I saw an RIP on there, and that's what really, really just kind of shocked me for a minute. Um... I wasn't ready for that. I mean, even though Vader's health had been questionable for the past few months now, uh, pretty much for, I'd say, for a good portion of this year, um, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't see it coming. It just, it just caught me out of nowhere because, you know, for a little while, like nobody was really talking about Vader after he had his heart surgery, and you know now he's trending worldwide, all over social media, on Twitter. And um, Instagram, pretty sure Facebook and all the others as well, rightfully so, because uh, Vader, he made a really, really big impact on the wrestling business. Uh, whether some people would know that or not, um, newer wrestling fans are probably less aware, but, you know, long-term wrestling fans like myself, I'm very, very well aware of the impact that Vader, a.k.a. Leon White, had made on the wrestling business. He made a really, really big impact. Um, I started watching WCW around 1992, and that time, um, I believe Vader was coming from Japan, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was. He was. I think he might have been going between uh, New Japan and WCW at that point in time. But it was that point in time where he was in WCW, and he was just unstoppable. Like nobody was stopping Vader back then. Um, Sting couldn't stop him. Um, just, you know, none of the top guys could stop him at that point in time. Like, I don't think, you know, Barry Windham couldn't stop him. Dustin Rhodes couldn't stop him. You know, uh, Cactus Jack couldn't stop him. Uh, of course, um, you know, all your other wrestlers around that time, you know, nobody was stopping Vader. Um, and like I said, it took me a while to get this podcast going because, you know, it just kind of caught me off guard. It was literally like, you know, I put on my Twitter, it was like I got hit by a Mack truck. Like, it was just totally unexpected you know it hit me hard and you know I had to take a little bit of time before I could prepare myself to you know do this episode um yeah I was a bit shaken up by it as well I mean you know it's just one of those kind of things you know when when a wrestler of that caliber passes away once you've been watching since you were a kid you know passes away I mean it just kind of takes a toll on you so you know I took a little bit of time before I started this I just wanted to you know, throw that out there. Um, that will also be the reason why 
Um, this series of podcast episodes will be released later, most likely later than uh, usual. I'm going to try to get them out there by tomorrow. Um, I'm not guaranteeing it because, this, you know, like I said, this whole Vader thing just kind of blew my mind. And, um, you know, I took a little bit of time as well to go through social media, you know, to pay respects and, you know, look at what everybody else was posting and, you know, looking at what other wrestlers were posting as well because... I don't know. I don't know if the whole wrestling world is aware yet. I mean, this news is still relatively new at this point. Um, it looks like, you know, people started posting tweets and stuff like that about, I'd say about four, four somewhere between four and five hours. Um, I believe it was in the later a.m. hours of this morning. Um, and now it's, you know, it's the afternoon. It's way into the uh three o'clock hour if I'm not mistaken uh it's yes four o'clock on the dot right now actually um eastern time that is and you know um I don't know it kind of threw me off guard a bit you know I'm trying to get back on so what I'm gonna do is you know just discuss this whole Vader situation a bit like I said I remember he was unstoppable in WCW in the earlier days and you know he was the world champion there and he just, you know, he had so many accomplishments. He was a groundbreaking, trend-setting big guy. Like, he set the bar for what the big guy should be like in professional wrestling. You know, he didn't have a limited move set. He was doing moves that, you know, big guys wouldn't normally do. You know, like your moonsault from the top rope and, you know, things like that. Drop kicks and just, you know, he was very, very agile and versatile. And he, he was strong. He had a strong personality. He freaked out a lot of kids. Um, he was pretty scary as a kid, I must say, when I seen him for the first time, because, uh, you know, Vader was no joke, no doubt about it. Um, you know, and with that said, um, you know, I remember his match, you know, the most memorable matches that he had, you know, from my standpoint, from my viewpoint, I'd, I would have to say it was his matches with Sting and his matches with Cactus Jack in WCW days. Because um, when he went to WWF, like they didn't push him as they didn't push him very well over there. Um, I can't remember the exact reason why they didn't, but for some reason, like Vader just did not get a strong push in WWF. You know, when he jumped ship over there, um, you know, I, I call it WWF because if that's what it was at the time where the you know where the event took place, then that's what I'm going to call it. You know, I mean, you know, some other people, some other wrestling fans, and other people of the business, um, they say, you know, they call it WWE, even if it happened in the WWF days, they still refer to it as WWE, and I, and I don't, you know, because if we if we were to go back in time, if we had the ability to travel back in time to, let's say, 1995, it would be WWF, you know, plain and simple, so that's what I'm going by, you know, I'm going by what it was at that time, so, you know, I believe that's just the right thing to do. Um, anyway, this Vader situation is a pretty tough one. I guess I will catch up with more of it on social media. Um, anybody who listens to this podcast is more than welcome to join me on uh, Instagram and Twitter because that's my top two social media platforms where I'm the most active. So I will be doing a lot of Vader tributes throughout the day. Um so uh, that's about all I wanted to do. I wanted to touch base with that. I don't want to make the whole episode based on this uh, Vader, you know, this tragic Vader situation. Um, it's 
you know, because it's honestly really sad to think about it. But, you know, I got to move on. Uh, I got to think of it as a way as in like Vader, you know, wanting me to do this, you know, do this for the wrestling business, to do this for the wrestling fans, to go strong with this podcast and just move forward. So that's what I'm going to do. So starting off NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. All right. And this event took place four days ago. Um, there was a lot of wrestling over the past week, by the way, which is why I'm doing NXT. This is actually my first NXT-based podcast. So I'm going to get that out here and, you know, let's get down to business. Okay, so we had match number one, which consisted of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly versus Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Okay. That was a really great match. Um, it was really, really good. You saw a lot of moves, a lot of um, just like wrestling. You know what I'm saying? It was wrestling. It was good to see. Um, there was really good chemistry going on in there. Um, and then I remember at a certain point in the match where um, Adam Cole was barred from ringside because he got, you know, because he interfered. Like he, uh, what did he do? He dragged Kyle O'Reilly out of the ring when um, I believe it was um, what had happened. I believe it was uh, Birch or Lorkin had tried to pin uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole just like dragged him out of the ring and the referee, you know, pretty much said that's it and just, you know, barred him from ringside. And after that, I remember the crowd chanting bull, you know what, you know, BS. Um, I don't know why they would because we're talking about a heel team here that were, you know, uh, you know, blatantly cheating. And I guess for some reason the crowd was upset with that because I don't know, maybe they didn't want to see a fair and square match, but I did, you know, and I think that was the right thing to do. Get Adam Cole out of there because he was just going to mess the whole matchup. If, you know, if the referee had let him stay out there and, you know, that was just the ref doing his job. You know, it's like, you know, you want to interfere, get out of here, you know? And like I said, I mean, I, I don't feel like that was the wrong move. I mean, I don't know what you guys might think about that, but feel free to chime in in the comment section or, you know, anywhere else. All right. Continuing on here. Um, towards the end of the match, um, I believe it was Birch. Yeah, he had locked in a crossface on Kyle O'Reilly and Lorcan had locked in a single leg Boston Crab on Roderick Strong. And this was like done simultaneously. They were, you know, they both had each guy in a submission hold. And, you know, um, I believe, the, you know, they had a, they escaped the submission hold when Kyle O'Reilly had, uh, he started kicking, I think he kicked, uh, I can't remember who had who in the submission, though. That's the only thing about it. I know you guys probably have a stronger memory of this than, than me, and if you do, feel free to correct me. But I remember Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly had started kicking the other guy off of, um, what's his name, uh, Roderick Strong. And then he um, somehow found a way to get out of the submission that he was in. So, um, I don't know. Forgive me for this because, like I said before, like I don't watch NXT all the time, but I do tune in occasionally, you know, just to see what's going on and all that good stuff. So, um, anyway, let's keep it going with, all right, the match here. Uh, we had... Let me see. Then towards the end, I remember the match getting kind of messy. It got a little sloppy. And, um, 
you know, and then there was like a series of like, you know, uh, who was it? Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly had done like a series of like double team moves, and then they did like a leg sweep and heel kick combination on Lorkin, and Roderick Strong got the three count. So that was the end of that match. And then after that match, Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin had got a pretty good, pretty good crowd ovation. Um, the crowd had respected him for the effort that they put in because the match was really good. It was a really good opening to the show. So match number two, we had Ricochet coming in as the face, Velveteen Dream coming in as the heel. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, I don't know what anybody else might think about this, but in my opinion, I feel like that was the best match of the night. I mean, it was great psychology in that match. Like, you really felt like these two were real enemies like this this didn't seem to be like scripted or phony in any form or shape um you know like i said great in-ring psychology you know and in you know just really great chemistry really great moves really great exchanges and reversals you know everything about that match i enjoyed i thought it was very very thorough thoroughly done well done from both guys um you know, then, you know, Velve Velveteen Dream, you know, he had his little moments, you know, where he's, he's got these little uh, things that he says when he's in a match. Like, you know, like, for example, in this match, he was like, uh, he was telling Ricochet that he belongs in a bingo hall. And, you know, and he was saying, I'm homegrown. You belong in a bingo hall. And I'm a wrestling god. And, you know, he was even giving it to the referee as well. <laughs> he was, I remember that one part where um he, he got in the referee's face. He was like, do not touch me. I'm the Velveteen Dream. And he's just really, really arrogant and just cocky. And he plays his character very, very well. So I remember Velveteen Dream as Patrick Clark from Tough Enough 5. Um, he was really, really passionate. Uh, very More passionate than a lot of the other contestants for the Tough Enough contest. Um, he is from Washington, D.C., which is pretty much my neck of the woods. So, Which is another reason why I support him. Um, He's really good at what he does. Uh, he could be the future as long as he's pushed correctly, as long as he's utilized correctly within NXT or WWE for that matter. But uh, hopefully, I'd have to say, uh, give him more time on NXT, bring him up to the main roster by next year. You know, he would be a really great addition to the main roster as long as they utilize him correctly. All right. So anyway, right back to the match. Uh, then Ricochet, uh, he, had, he had a Death Valley driver on Velveteen Dream after, you know, after he was, like, giving him a bunch of smack talk. Um, and then Ricochet, he attempted his uh, long-distance shooting star press, and Velveteen Dream got his knees up, so he pretty much finished himself on that one. Um, then Velveteen Dream... He attempted a coast-to-coast -coast diving elbow, and he missed. And this is where Ricochet came in for the victory. He hit the 630, you know, his flip uh, for the three count. And uh, here's one thing I want to say about Ricochet. Um, I was just watching him wrestle in Lucha Underground um, in, in the latest season that they have available. And what I've noticed on there is that he really really toned it down on all the flips and stunts and stuff I mean because he used to do so many flips you know but when he actually 
steps outside of that realm, he shows, he proves himself as a pretty good wrestler. He has pretty good moves. Like, he does good moves whenever he's not doing all these flips and acrobatics, you know. And it's really, really great to see him do more wrestling than just flips and stunts because I've seen other wrestlers do that as well. But if they make like a heel turn or if they change their style and tone down on the flips, they're actually really good wrestlers. Like examples being Neville. Um, well, uh, here's another one uh, who could be one of those guys that I'm hearing a lot of hype about, and that would be CN. I noticed like his earlier times in NXT, he was doing a lot of flips and stunts, you know, and that's what I've noticed. That's what I noticed early on about him. Um, you know, with that said, I believe that uh, he could be another one of those guys. Maybe he is really that good. He just didn't really get a chance to show it on the main roster yet. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his work in NXT, you know, as he progressed. But early on when he was a face, when he got there in the early times, you know, his early times in NXT, I saw a bunch of flips. But I heard that he got really, really good after he turned heel. Um, maybe I should go back and watch some of that just to familiarize myself with it because he has not shown it on the main roster yet. He's had about two, maybe three matches on the main roster so far, and um, he hasn't really showcased anything outside of brawling, and his opponents are like visitors, you know, those, those one-time match guys. Um, and those, those were not good matches. They were squash matches. You know, he beat the crap out of some visitor, you know, by brawling on him and just getting a really quick three count. And, you know, th those weren't good. So hopefully um, sometime in the future, in the near future, mind you, that he um, actually gets an opportunity to show what he has, you know, besides brawling. You know, this is the main roster CN that we're referring to here. So moving along with this show. Um, we had, like I said, the Velveteen Dream Ricochet match was great. I feel like it was the greatest one of the entire show. Um, and then, uh, let me see, did we get to the result? I believe we did. We, we got to the result. So Ricochet went over in that match. Um, very well done by both wrestlers. And then we had match number three. This was Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross. Of course, Baszler being the heel and Cross being the face. And this match was probably the worst match on the show simply because Shayna Baszler she she pretty much stunk the match up in my opinion I mean she wasn't really doing anything like interesting or impressive Nikki Cross on the other hand she was actually trying to make the match look good and that's what I appreciated about her I mean she stood out she was the standout wrestler in that match Shayna Baszler is not that good uh, I don't know maybe she's not cut out to be a professional wrestler um as far as like ufc former ufc people um ronda rousey she's actually good i mean she looks like she can be a good professional wrestler with more time you know give her more time she can actually be really good i believe um baszler on the other hand I, i'm just not seeing it i'm not seeing anything special from her um the personality maybe I mean, maybe she's just good because she, you know, at being, maybe she's just good with her personality because she's a heel, because that's how a lot of people get over it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't see it with her. I don't see anything really special out of her. 
Nikki Cross, on the other hand, she's got potential. She can be a really good superstar in the future. Um, so in this match, Shayna Baszler um, won the match with a rear naked choke, I believe. Um, but anyway, uh, like I said, the match wasn't that great. So let's move along to match number four. This match consisted of Aleister Black versus Lars Sullivan for the NXT Championship. And this match, um, it wasn't great and it wasn't awful either. It was somewhere in between. Um, it was kind of subpar in my opinion. Um, let me see. As far as the match goes, um, Lars Sullivan was I'd have to say he was the standout wrestler in that match um, who was face who was heel I wasn't entirely sure uh, because the crowd seemed to you know the crowd seemed to like both of them pretty well um, but thing is like I said Lars Sullivan seemed to be the most interesting of the two in that matchup so with that being said uh, this match was um, it ended with Aleister Black doing like a jumping knee and then a kick and then another kick and then he got a three count. So here's the issue. All right, so the match ends via kick. How many wrestlers end matches with a kick? Um, honestly, not very many in WWE besides like Nakamura. You would expect that from Nakamura. You'd probably even expect it from Finn Balor. Because they do a lot of kicks. Um, Nakamura, it's kicks and knees. Balor, it's kicks and stomps. Um, here's one thing that somebody uh, said to me on a wrestling forum the other day when I mentioned the fact that Nakamura does a whole lot of kicks. Um, this individual told me, so does Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I mean, that is true to an extent. I'm not denying that. Daniel Bryan does a lot of kicks, but at the same time, he at least makes up for it with wrestling moves. Like, he will do your suicide dive. He'll do submission holds. You know, he'll do pretty much... Um, I don't think he'll do the diving headbutt anymore because that would be too risky for his condition. Um, but without further ado, or... Why am I saying without further ado? All right, but like I was saying, Daniel Bryan, yes, he does a lot of kicks, but he makes up for it in the ring by wrestling, doing moves, doing some high flying. You know, he'll do different things. He won't just stick to one particular style. You know, he won't just, you know, just kick somebody for a whole match. I mean, that's what you'll see from Nakamura. Nakamura will literally kick and knee his way through a whole match, you know, and... Anyway, I'll get to Nakamura on the next episode because he's actually in the event that I'll be discussing. So, all right. But like I said, I wasn't happy with the ending of the Aleister Black and Lars Sullivan match because, I don't know, Aleister Black, he does a lot of kicks. And it's like they already have enough wrestlers who do a lot of kicks. I mean, I understand maybe that's popular among, you know, certain groups of wrestling fans, but... Other wrestling fans may want to see more moves, and I happen to be a part of that crowd. I want to see more moves. I don't think that's too much to ask for. I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm just thankful that the vast majority of the roster 
doesn't base their whole style around kicks because I wouldn't be able to I couldn't be comfortable with that. I just couldn't be comfortable with it. I mean, you know, some wrestling fans will understand what I'm saying, while others, it'll be like I'm speaking a language that they don't understand. But, you know, but, hey, I think it's a valid point. But moving along with the show, we had match number five, which consisted of the Chicago street fight between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. All right, so this match was... Um, it was crazy to say the very least. Um, of course, uh, Gargano goes in as the face and Ciampa is the heel. Um, Ciampa has a lot of heel heat to say the very least. Um, the rivalry has been going on for a year since the, um, since last year's NXT takeover Chicago. And let me see this match. Um, it was, I could say it was a bit. You know, it was, a, it was a bit of what you would expect, and it kind of exceeded expectations as well. So I can't really say this match was, like, really, really predictable because they really did keep you guessing at certain points. Um, let me see. The match, as far as, like, the violence goes, there wasn't as much blood as I was expecting. Like, a rivalry that's that deep, like, I would expect a lot of, like, blood and gore. And they, they made sure they saved it for the last match, I guess for that purpose, you know, in case somebody got split open, you know, this would be the latest match on the card, um, you know, so parents won't be complaining about their children seeing all the violence. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the reason why WWE slash NXT decided to make that the main event, so it would be later on in the show. Um, all right, but like I said, it wasn't as much blood as I would expect for a rivalry that's that deep. Like a rival, a rivalry that's as twisted and as deep as this one, I would kind of have to compare it to the rivalry between Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan on Impact Wrestling. And between those two, you've seen a lot of hardcore type wrestling, a lot of violence, um, a lot of blood. Uh, it's it's a really really serious rivalry. Um, but at the same time, I don't watch Impact all the time either so I don't know if that rivalry is still going on um, at this point in time it might be so I'll just have to check in on, on that in the future so with that said uh, this match it quickly ended up outside of the ring um, they they were on they were on the ringside area you know fighting their way out there then they eventually fought their way into the crowd and this is where a fan had gotten, um, started shouting, uh, telling Ciampa that he was the devil. Um, pretty crazy stuff there. And then there was another point in the match where Ciampa tried to, like, he snatched a sign from a fan, from a fan. I put that in quotations because, I don't know, maybe this guy was a, what, what do they call him, a stand-in or like a setup or, or like an actor, you know, somebody pretending to be a fan. Um, but he, he took the sign from the fan and he tried to rip it, but he couldn't because uh, there was like a stop sign between like two poster boards. And, you know, uh, this is where Gargano had like, you know, separated the two poster boards to expose the, you know, the stop sign that was in between the two poster boards. And he used the stop sign as a weapon. And this is where shortly after that, they started getting the EC dub chant. Um, not sure why, because, I mean, I guess it reminds you of ECW in a way, but 
of course, we're not talking about an ECW here. We're talking about NXT. So, all right. And then uh, Gargano, you know, shortly after had dived into Ciampa. Uh, he, he had climbed up on something that was out there in the crowd. I'm not, I can't even remember exactly what it was. It might have been some sort of, like, barrier or some kind of, like, I don't know, some kind of um, surface in between the seating sections or something like that. And he had, uh, you know, dived off and smashed into Ciampa. And later on, well, shortly after that, um, we had... They, they were making their way back to the ring, you know, continuing their brawl, you know, their brawl, um, taking it back to the ring. And let me see, what had happened after that? Okay, so they continued the brawling after that. All right, so in, at this point, the crowd was about 50-50, cheering for Gargano versus... Ciampa um, and then it got to a point in the match where Ciampa had done like three German suplexes this part really really just kind of rocks my brain for a minute um, the crowd started chanting after after Ciampa hit those three German suplexes on Gargano the crowd starts chanting suplex city and I'm like really like what are you chanting that for I mean that's like a Lesnar chant like Lesnar has nothing to do with NXT and he never will so I don't know I mean the NXT crowd just kind of gets on my nerves sometimes to say the very least they're more annoying than the main roster crowd in my opinion um, but moving along here all right so Gargano reversed the you know the fourth attempt uh, he, he reversed Ciampa's fourth attempt at the German suplex and he did a German suplex of his own. And this and this is uh, later on in the match, later on in the match, Gargano hit a suicide dive. Um, hold on, what happened here? He hit a suicide dive. And this was shortly after the whole German suplex exchange, by the way. Um, suicide dive. Ciampa then attacked Gargano with pretty much anything he could find, which would be chairs, trash cans, crutches, whatever it may be. Um, and some of the more standout moments of the match would be when Ciampa, he had wrapped a chair around Gargano's head and then just launched him like head first into the steps. Um, that was pretty brutal looking, to say the very least. Um, and then he tossed a trash can at the back of Gargano's head right there when, while he was still you know, had his head down in between, you know, the treads and risers of the steps. Um, and then later on in the match, Gargano, he took his belt off and started whipping Ciampa with it. And this pretty much initiated a you deserve it chant. I believe that's what the crowd were saying at that point. But if I was wrong, please correct me. Um, and then Ciampa, he started taking the mat apart on the ring. Um, he started cutting all the cutting the little ropes, you know, that, that had that were tied down to the steel frame underneath the ring, and he exposed the wooden beams. You know, he started lifting up, you know, the canvas, and then he lifted up the foam padding underneath of that, and then you know, then you had all the little wooden beams lined up, and they had both tried to take advantage of this, but it didn't work. They avoided it like the plague. Um, so then 
they both started, uh, you know, hitting each other with uh, weapons, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then it was mostly Gargano who was um, taking the weapon shots. So then Ciampa, he uh, missed the knee strike into the steps and he rolls into the ring favoring his knee. Gargano then uh, started hitting Ciampa with the chi- uh, with a chair to the knee like several times. Um, somehow Ciampa still manages to get the upper hand and then he um, yeah then he proceeds to drag Gargano up the ramp and then he tossed him into the backdrop and this was like I guess like a flashback of what he'd done the previous year um, so then the match goes along to the equipment area which is off to the that would be their right side and it would be our left as viewers so all right Gargano he then did like a um he climbed up on like some crates on like some like I think it was like a stack of crates or something and he um it looked like um I don't I don't think this is his finish it might have been his finish but uh cuz like I said I don't I don't watch NXT religiously like a lot of other people do so I believe it was his finish he finished him through two tables and Champa then um he was they started getting him ready to roll him out on the stretcher Gargano rolls him back to the ring while he's still on the stretcher then he begins like unstrapping him from it and you know taking all the straps off and then Gargano locks Champa into a submission finish I believe this was his um finishing move if I'm not mistaken um and then he Hold on here. All right, so then later on in that match, um, let me see. There was a point where Ciampa had applied a submission hold, and it reached a point where um, a bunch of staff had came out, and then... Hold on. Yeah, they, they a bunch of staff came out to pull Gargano off Champa, and I th- think he started fighting them all off, and then he put on a submission on Champa, and then the staff tried to hold Gargano back again, and they did it just long enough for Champa to catch Gargano with a DDT on the wooden beams in the ring, and this pretty much led to a three count. And that's how the match ended. So, out of the beating that Ciampa took in that match, I still don't understand how he won it. It didn't make sense. Like, the match itself, it was well done for a street fight. But at the same time, the ending is what, you know, just kind of threw me for a loop. It was really confusing as to how that match ended and why it ended like it did. I'm not really sure why the match had to end that way but anyway that's pretty much it for this episode so ladies and gentlemen do not forget 
to support the show if you like what I'm doing. Um, comment, rate, subscribe, follow, share. Um, subscribe if I didn't already say it. Um, I don't know. I think I ran out of things to say here. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm on many different social media platforms. You can find me pretty much anywhere. I'm on, well, my primary two are Twitter and Instagram. And then I'm also on iTunes. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Pinterest. And, of course, my podcasting platform, anchor.fm slash kaxiswp. And that's all in one. You know, you don't separate anything when you enter the URL. So with that being said, um, that would be the end of this episode. And I will see you guys for the NXT, hold on, not NXT, the Money in the Bank edition of K-Axis Wrestling Podcast. And until then, you guys have a good one. Um, I'm your host, K-Axis, signing off for K-Axis Wrestling Podcast. You guys stay stay, stay safe, stay strong. Uh, don't get any trouble and don't do anything I wouldn't do. All right. You guys have a good one.